And well, when Jesus, when you mentioned the Holy Spirit and you said that it was going to come, but then you buried that in I'm leaving, it didn't go so well because then you remember Jesus, we scattered, ran everywhere. Peter cut a guy's ear off. That happened. Totally denied you. And now you're talking about it again. Jesus was introducing something in John 16 that concludes in Acts 1 that is an absolute game changer for us. And I wrote this up there. We can't talk about immeasurably more without recognizing the one who is working it in us and through us. And Jesus was alluding to this because here's the reality. The kingdom takeover, restoring the kingdom that his disciples were asking about. Jesus, is this it? They under misunderstood because they thought it was Jesus, but what he was saying was, no, it's actually you. You're the takeover. You're the ones that bring the kingdom here. Now there's an afterlife and, and I'm coming back and I'm going to then build a new kingdom, a new heaven and an earth and that'll all happen. But in the meantime, the kingdom takeover that you're asking about is actually you. And so that's why we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit in you is me and you. And then you have power, resurrection power to bring immeasurably more. If you didn't know already, the immeasurably more isn't just for you. Because remember what Paul said was this immeasurably more, it has to do with, I read it. Paul says, I put all things under the authority of Christ. And then it says, the church is made full and complete by, by, by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. The church is filled with Christ, the spirit of the living God. Jesus inside of us. And then Jesus, by way of the Holy Spirit, fills everything everywhere with his church. That's us, you and me, going everywhere and bringing the resurrection power of God everywhere. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. So because of that, we're gonna dig into the Holy Spirit a little bit and we're gonna tackle this simple phrase, with, in, and upon. God, I ask for your word today. I ask that you would... Open up our eyes, Jesus. And I pray that something would click for us. That the Holy Spirit wouldn't be a fun phrase that we use when we sing songs or when we pray. But we would understand the partnership that we have with the Holy Spirit, which is the same Spirit that raised you from the dead, that's abiding in us. And that every day seeks to lead us and guide us, to reveal to us Jesus, to, to lead us into all truth, to set us free on the inside. Yes. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. So first thing first is... Um, uh, we need to bring some clarity to what, in my opinion, has become very controversial and confusing, the Holy Spirit. Um, there's two extremes. One extreme is sort of a mystic version of the Holy Spirit. 
And one extreme is sort of a pragmatic version. And the mystic version is, it just gets weird. Anybody been in a church that's just been a little weird? Anybody been in a church where you're like, I don't think the Holy Spirit got the address. You guys are all staring at me like, I have no idea how this is going to go today. So I grew up in a, um, in a church that really embraced the moving of the Spirit. Pentecostal, Holy Spirit-filled church. It was in Poway. And there was a lot of things about the church that I loved. One of the things that, about the church that, um, that was difficult for me, but God used it in my life, is that um, the pastor was really, really um, eager to, um, to explore and find new ways for us to encounter God in an extreme ways. And so what that looked like is he would bring in people like if there was a movement happening, a revival happening in somewhere, then he would bring that pastor in and try to make it happen here. And so I got exposed to some very extreme versions of the Holy Spirit. So as an example, we were um, invited, our church was invited to go to a, like a, an event, downtown San Diego. And at this event, um, they were really into people falling down when the Holy Spirit came. Now, granted, listen, God can move however he wants. And I'm not saying that any of these things are demonic or wrong uh, unless they're man-made. Uh, and so at this particular event, they were into big groups of people falling down all at once when somebody waves their hand. Anybody seen that on YouTube? Okay. So um, anyway, I was eager for the Holy Spirit and I was eager for a touch from God. And I went down forward. I was a high schooler. I went down forward in the front. I mean, there's like probably... 3,000 people here, and a 1,000 of them were in front, big auditorium, and there was this big evangelist, and he was sweating with a handkerchief and, you know, the whole thing, and, and uh, it came time for the moving of the Holy Spirit, and he went like this, and, and, and everyone fell down, including me, because the person next to me knocked me over, right, and everyone's like, hey, the Holy Spirit's moving, right, and I'm like, I just got knocked down, actually, I'm trying to get back up, but I've got like four people on top of me, you know, <laughs> And I say that to say, that was one example of like, God was there. It was a little weird. Uh, it, was a, it was a little uh, man-made. There are, there are things like that out there. Uh, there was another time when I went to an event where um, they were really into oil. And they felt like in order to really receive from the Holy Spirit with the oil, you had to have a lot of it. And so they did like a gauntlet and they lined people up. It was like uh, 20 liters on this side and 20 on this side. And they had, uh, like, they would go back and get their hands in the oil. Like, it was like a bowl of it. And they would do this and they would come back to the line. And then, and then if, you know, if you were there, it wasn't optional. If you were there, you go through the gauntlet. So, so we go through, right? And there's people that literally oil's dripping off of their hands. And, you know, and they're going for it, right? I mean, they got their prayer language going and they're just laying hands on you, right? So you get done and you, I mean, you're literally soaked in oil, which was interesting. And that's why I'm in ministry today. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and um, 
I've been in other scenarios where um, it's surprising that, that there is a, a very small, almost non-existent awareness of the Holy Spirit. Um, I, this is not going to put my wife on the spot because she would tell you this and she has an incredible story in regards to the Holy Spirit. But when we met, no joke, she is a pastor's daughter in an incredible couple who pastored in Texas for years and years, had an amazing movement, uh, amazing, lots of people got saved at this church, great things happened. But when, when, when we met, she was 18 years old and she had not heard of the phrase baptism in the Holy Spirit. Never even heard of the phrase. I literally introduced it to her for the first time. I'm like, and for me, you know, like the oil gauntlet guy, I'm like, what? Are you a Christian? And at that time, I was introduced to a interesting reality that there, there at, at, least, at least where we lived, there was a little bit of two camps. One camp was like a very traditionalist, like, the Holy Spirit must stay out because it's weird, right? The oil people, the wave your arms, people fall over people out there. And in here, we study the Bible and don't get weird. And there was almost this idea that like one group has the Holy Spirit and the other group just opted out. Which is the worst theological thing ever, but you'd be surprised at how much confusion there is especially if you're in a camp where it's like, yeah, we're a spirit-filled church. It's like, what the heck does that mean? So if you're not a spirit-filled church, you don't have the Holy Spirit? What are we doing? What a horrible way to characterize a church. So I thought we should do a sermon on it or two or three. And then I've instructed some leaders with, uh, the, the, the oil and the bowls of oil <laughs> later on, if you want to, okay. So the first idea is this, and we're going to get into teaching for the next 15 minutes, is this, the Holy Spirit with us. And I want to, I'm, I'm getting somewhere and I'm going to land somewhere so important for us, but I want to get through a little bit of content first. So stay with me. The first idea is the Holy Spirit with us. So with, in, and upon, this is so important as you understand the Holy Spirit. There is not camps. The Holy Spirit isn't close to some churches and not close to others. The Holy Spirit with us is a concept that started in the beginning. In the beginning, the Holy Spirit hovered over the earth. And then when, when the Old Testament began to take shape with Adam and Eve and all throughout, the role of the Holy Spirit on the earth was real. He came and moved. And, and, and at times he would empower people like Samson. You ever heard that, that story where he was mighty and the Holy Spirit empowered him? And then the Bible says that David received an anointing and the Holy Spirit came and, and was, was with us here. So the Holy Spirit's always been around and been active on the earth. The difference is Jesus introduced a new relationship with the Holy Spirit that's only possible through Jesus. And we see that in John chapter 14 and verse 16. And it says this, I will ask, this is Jesus talking, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Don't miss this. Even the spirit of truth. You know him. You know him. Remember, he's been around forever. All those stories you read of the Old Testament, like the Holy Spirit's been 
with you, but he will be in you. So the significance of what Jesus is saying is that the Holy Spirit, all you've known is that he is here and it's, he's hovering and he can do things, but you've never known him to be inside of you because, I, because Jesus was saying, I haven't gone to the cross yet. When Jesus was saying this, he hadn't died yet. And that's really important because that's the game changer for us. And that's what's changed about the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus died, the Holy Spirit could only hover and be with us. Which brings us to the next point. The Holy Spirit in us. So I have a simple question. Who receives the Holy Spirit? So if before Jesus died, the Holy Spirit's just with us, meaning he's present on the earth, hovering, doing things. When Jesus dies and rises to again, Paul says that we were born spiritually dead. We were born spiritually dead. When we get born again, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes in us. John chapter, I'm sorry, Romans chapter eight, verse nine says this. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Paul says you were dead, but you've been made alive in Christ. What does that look like? That means the Holy Spirit has made you alive. You were dead before. So we're made up of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. Your spirit man was dead. Your body and your soul were alive. When you get born again, the spirit of God comes inside of you was only possible when Jesus raised from the dead. So when did the disciples become born again? John chapter 20, verse 21. Peace be with you as the father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So these are the first believers. These are the first believers. Jesus dies, raises to life. He's, he's been talking to them about the Holy Spirit. He's been with you. He's going to be in you. He raises from the dead and now it's possible because now somebody can be right with God. Somebody can be white as snow, but that doesn't just happen because Jesus died on the cross. It happens because yes, Jesus, I believe in you and I invite you into my heart. Guys, this is salvation 101. I believe in you and now I invite you into my heart to make you Lord and Savior. And what happens? What happens in that moment? The Holy Spirit comes inside of you. He was with you. He's going to be in you. And so he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, become born again. So simple question. Are there churches filled with believers who have the Holy Spirit because they're spirit filled? And there are there churches with believers who choose to not be spirit filled and don't have the Holy Spirit? Yes or no? Does everybody have the Holy Spirit if you're saved? <laughs> We're going to have a pop quiz later. 
That's so important. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you if you become born again. That is being born again. The Spirit of God comes inside of you and he's living in you. That's resurrection power. Now, if you're taking notes, great. If not, making mental notice. This is so important. In this category of the Holy Spirit in us, he's a welcome guest. And for where we're going, this is the whole deal. The Holy Spirit at that moment is a welcome guest. He's like somebody living at your house. You've invited them in. They live there now. They took a room and you see them sometimes at breakfast. Once in a while, they come and sit and watch Netflix with you. You'll go outside and shoot some hoops. They live in your house. This guest, you like them and you hang out together. That's the Holy Spirit in you. Next idea and last idea is this, the Holy Spirit upon us. So he's with us, Old Testament. He's in us when we get saved, Holy Spirit upon us. And I want you to make a mental note or write it in your notes. On this one, he's the house manager. Now, it's one of the things that if I had a lot of money, I would probably do first. And once I describe it, you'd be like, yeah, I'm going to put that on my list. When I win the lottery, we're going to do that. I would love a house manager. They organize your calendar. They do the laundry. They make sure the kids are eating healthy. They don't parent the kids. They just facilitate your parenting. Hello. Somebody needs a ride. I'm there. They make sure that all the bills are paid. They're making sure that the yard gets watered and all of those little to-dos that you have, just think of them for a second and get overwhelmed with me. All those little to-dos that you have taken care of by the house manager. <laughs> Amazing. Wouldn't it be great to have a house manager? One day, Qua. Let's go. So in this category of the Holy Spirit upon us, this is where we go from the Holy Spirit has been a nice addition to your family that living in your house is great game changer to you've been living here a while and I kind of have noticed that you really like to do things that are helpful I just noticed that you're just always anticipating like this is been oh no I got it and you're like I think I think we need to do a shift from you sort of living in the back room to I'd kind of like to give you more control. And let me say it a different way. I'd sort of like to surrender some of my control to your control. It's a house manager. It's a game changer. I want to read a scripture. Luke chapter 3, verse 21. This is Jesus. When all the people were being baptized, this is water baptism, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. Another translation says, and remained. 
It's the first time in scripture that the Holy Spirit has fallen upon someone and remained. And the reason for that is because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would fall upon somebody for power. Samson's a great example. David was a great example. They would anoint, which probably with bowls of oil, anoint, and and the, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit would come upon them. Unfortunately, the Holy Spirit would leave because they're not born again. Holy Spirit can't stay. I'm too sinful. I'm too sinful for the Holy Spirit to stay on me without being born again, without having him resident inside of me. And so Jesus, he gets water baptized and the Holy Spirit comes upon him and stays. Now, let me ask you a question. Did Jesus need to get saved? Was Jesus born in sin? Nope. Sacrificial lamb, pure white as snow. Why is this important? Well, because if he didn't need to get saved, then he didn't need to receive the Holy Spirit inside of him to give him new life. He was already born again. He needed the Holy Spirit to model something for you and I to live with power. To say, I am a human being like you. And so I'm going to step into a role of the Holy Spirit by surrendering my life to him and letting him lead. Because he's the house manager. Why would I hire you if I didn't give you any authority in my life? I'm going to let you do some things around here because you're awesome at it. So I'm going to let you lead me and guide me and not just be a resident in my house. And I can tell you, I know so many Christians that have resurrection power, the Holy Spirit living inside of them, but the Holy Spirit lives in a back room somewhere and they see him every once in a while. Because the light bulb hasn't come on like, oh my gosh, you actually want to lead me. Every day, you actually want to speak to me. You actually want to show me things. Oh, I'm not in control. You're in control. That's how this works. That's amazing. I want a house manager. It's a game changer. You're not good enough, smart enough, or powerful enough to do it on your own. So why would you make the most potent, powerful thing in your life live in the back room and rent a back room in your house when they can manage the whole thing? And they're not going to lead you into debt. They're not going to lead you into bad decisions or relationships. The Bible says they lead you into all truth. That's right. They reveal Jesus. They lead you into as a doorway to immeasurably more. Immeasurably more. We can't talk about that without talking about the Holy Spirit. He is the doorway to immeasurably more. And so that's why we get up and we say, Holy Spirit, fill me, fill me afresh and then lead me. Let me ask you a question. How difficult is it for God to get your attention? Let me ask it a different way that's harder to hear. How stubborn are you? All right. Oh, now you're 
I have been so convicted by this message in my life. So I do not stand before you as some perfect person that just walks on a cloud and perfectly led by the Holy Spirit. I make so many mistakes, but listen, the Bible talks about this. Don't, don't, be, don't be like the mule or the horse that where, where, where God has to put a bit in your mouth and yank you around because you're so stubborn where the Holy Spirit's like, admissionally more, come on, come on. And you're like, I got this. No, seriously, immeasurably more. Nah. No, seriously, immeasurably more. Quit sitting there, right? This is us. This is what we do. He's never gonna. He's never gonna forget that. Just like, just like Jesus, the disciples had already received the Holy Spirit. When he breathed on them, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. It's done. The upper room hasn't happened. The Holy Spirit in the day of Pentecost hasn't come yet, but they've received the Holy Spirit because that's not what Pentecost was. We don't need Pentecost for you to have the Holy Spirit living in a back room in your house. He's there. Anybody who, who, who believes in Jesus is saved. I put my trust in you. Come into my heart. I make you Lord and Savior. Like that's the deal. That's safe. But so the disciples, they had already received the Holy Spirit. They were not waiting in the upper room to receive him. They were waiting to be filled, filled with more. They were saying, Holy Spirit, come. We want to know what it's like to make you house manager. I surrender. They were asking for God to breathe on them fresh and anew. I want to end with this. And we're going to spend the next couple of weeks digging into what does it look like to cooperate with the Holy Spirit? This is not weird. This is not, listen, the, to be spirit filled, to be led by the spirit, to allow him to lead your life. It doesn't have anything to do with how dramatic you are. I mean, some churches think that they gotta be like so boisterous in their worship in order to get there. And other churches are totally different in that way. There's so many different expressions of this. I'm trying to boil it down to the bottom line. Come on, let's let the Holy Spirit fill us, empower us, and most importantly, lead us. It does no good to say, Holy Spirit, I love you. I like you. I think you're awesome. I want you to give me power and then let me take it from here. He's saying, come on, I got more for you. So you got to listen. Don't be so stubborn. Respond to those things. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. There's so many things that are not in the Bible. Okay? So many ways that you're going to live your life that are not in the Bible. Case in point, what do you let your kids watch and look at on their telephone? Are there things that you don't want them to dig into? You ain't gonna find the answer in the Bible. What about you? It's not in the Bible. Who's gonna lead you in that? Who's gonna help you make those decisions? Who's gonna lead you to immeasurably more? 
What about your relationships? How do I navigate this when I feel stuck? This is a dynamic and I don't know. And I'm borderline kind of creeping into unforgiveness and maybe bitterness and I need to navigate this. You're not gonna find the answer to what to do in the Bible. It's gonna say forgive. But how am I gonna do that? Well, the Holy Spirit, he's gonna lead you. He's gonna help you. This is what it means to make him house manager. God, I'm fully surrendered to what you wanna do. And unfortunately, because we are human, it takes every day waking up and saying, God, come and fill me, Holy Spirit, take control. Now we're gonna talk next week and the following week about the fact that when we do that, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman and he never takes control of your life. Now, I had a conversation about being demon-possessed on the way home. We were on a road trip yesterday, going home from a birthday party, and there was an interesting conversation by, by somebody, and they were asking, like, if that's real, and do, do like, demons actually come and, like, possess people? And that, that's for a different topic. But if you've watched TV or movies, then you understand the concept that when, like, a demon comes inside of you, they can literally take over your body possess you and make you do things. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's my point. The Bible says that the spirit is subject, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, which means you're the prophet, which means that the spirit comes inside of you, lives in there, and then he gives you wonderful suggestions. Hey, you're driving towards a cliff. You should turn. He's not going to do it for you. He's a gentleman. And so this is learning to be cooperative with the Holy Spirit. But make no mistake, we are spirit-filled people. We are living in a reality that resurrection power is alive in me. And it's not enough. Don't miss this. It's not enough to make Jesus, to, to call him Savior. It's about making him Lord. How do you make him Lord? You make the Holy Spirit your house manager. You actually make the calls now. So when you prick my heart and go, not the best decision. I know you want to do this, but I just, I just think it's better here. It's not a sin issue. Like the decision you're about to make. It's not sin, not sin. It's, nah, my measure will be more. Come on, let's go this way. When, when you make the Holy Spirit house manager, you learn how to go, okay, okay, I'll go that way. I'll go that way. It's also immeasurably more through you because you're going to be talking to people and all of a sudden a phrase is going to come to your mind or an idea. It's probably already happened to you and you've totally explained it away. Or maybe you've said it to them and it's really ministered to them and you just thought, well, that was a weird idea. You know who that was? It's the house manager. Because he's constantly, he's got his little, uh, he's got his little notepad out and he's writing things down, giving them to you. Say this, it's awesome. Because I've got immeasurably more for them. Give them that one. Give them that one. Hey, you need this one. He puts that on your chest. Always, constantly. This is how he leads us. This is how he moves with us. And it's amazing. And it has nothing to do with bowls bowls of oil. It can, if that's your thing. 
But it doesn't have to be weird is the point. It can be completely natural, but it's, God, I surrender. I surrender to my way of doing it. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and fill me anew so I can step into immeasurably more and I can be a dispenser of immeasurably more. So how do we get it? I'm gonna land with this. John chapter one, verse 26 says this. John said, indeed, I baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal straps I am not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so again, it's Jesus. He, it's, it's like Jesus is the prophet. The Bible says that he is our high priest. And it's like, he comes to us like Samuel came to David. Look at this. Look, I want you to put this, 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 this picture in your mind, right? Remember young, young David, all the brothers, David's out in the field and Samuel comes because God told him, I want you to go anoint the next king. I want you to anoint him because the Holy Spirit's coming. I want you to anoint him. And he came and he was looking at all the good looking people and all the great brothers. And God's like, no, it's not him. Hey, do you have another son? Yeah, like the little twerp kid that's in the field looking after the sheep, the shepherd boy. Yeah, I, mean, I guess I could invite him if you, want, you really want me to invite him. It's not gonna go anywhere. Once you see him, you'll know and you'll, you'll make him go back out there. We know that because the Bible says in that moment, man looks on the outward. God looks on the heart. Why is this important? Because you look at you on the outward. And I'm not talking about your physical appearance. I'm talking about who you are. You see you for you for you. You see for all your flaws, all your mistakes, all your shortcomings, all your inadequacies, things that you, you know you can't do. You look at you that way. It's not how God looks at you. It's not how he looks at you. So now Jesus, who's our high priest, just like Samuel, he comes to the table and he goes, you want more? And you go, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm the shepherd boy out in the field. I don't deserve it. I know somebody who does. They're, they're, these people are amazing here. And God's like, no, I didn't come for them. I didn't come for them. I came for you. I came for you. I didn't come for them. I want to anoint you. I want to fill you to overflowing because God has so much more for you than you could possibly even want for yourself or think that you deserve. It's not about what you deserve. Jesus is the high priest. He already paid the price and he comes with the anointing. He comes with the filling of the spirit. He comes with more every day and he says, come on. You're not getting it based on you. You're getting it based on him. He already paid for it. So we just get to say, yeah, yeah, I received that today. I start by receiving a washing away of my past and of my shortcomings and of my insecurities and of my shame. I start by the oil, the anointing, washing that away. And then I stand before Jesus the one who fills me with the Holy Spirit. I stand before him today and say, God, fill me anew. 
that I might see like you see, that I might walk with a sense of confidence and boldness, that I might step into the destiny that you have for me and be a dispenser of it. And so forgive me, Lord, for discounting, for discounting what you already paid for. Forgive me, Lord, for thinking that the Holy Spirit was meant to rent a room in the back of my house. I put him at the forefront and I say, Holy Spirit, lead me today. I'm yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.